a couple weeks ago, my kids were talking to me, some of the younger ones, about doing a lemonade stand. Have any of you guys ever done a lemonade stand? Is it weird that I don't think I've ever done one? What? You've not done one either? Good, me and you. Like, I was thinking back, I'm like, I thought every kid did a lemonade stand, but I never did. But my kids did, and it reminded me of the one they did last year, and so it was covid and um, they were really excited to do this. They had been cooped up in the house. And so they spent about an hour making the lemonade and finding the cups. And we have a pretty long driveway. So they like hauled the table down the driveway and then the chairs. And um, anyway, and then they spent probably about three hours after they had everything set up to do this lemonade stand before they finally packed everything up and brought it back. Um, and they wound up selling, I think, a cup of lemonade and they did a yard sale in combination with it, and I think they sold one thing. And I, I wanted to tell them, but I, they were so excited they were going to be out at the house and be busy. But we live on this back country road, and in the course of three hours, there was maybe a three whole cars that drove by, and we have one visible neighbor. And so I knew that there was no way that they were going to get a lot out of it, um, but they never did ask my opinion. And so... I want to talk with you today about a story because we tend to do that, don't we? We tend to kind of go off on our own with our great idea, and we put a ton of effort into what we're doing, um, and we never really ask God his opinion or what he wants to do. And so we don't realize the gain or the return that we expect from all of the effort we put in. And so today I want to talk with you. The title of my story is Build for maximum return. And I want to talk with you about a story in Haggai, and Haggai, a little bit of what happens before Haggai comes on the scene, is that the Israelites, they were taken into captivity, they knew they were going to go, God had told them, and they continued to walk in the ways they did, like we see over and over and over, and they wound up going into captivity for about 70 years. And so they were coming to the end of this 70-year period, they had been prophesied that they were getting ready to be released to go back and rebuild the temple. Um, that happened when King Cyrus came and conquered Babylon, and he released the people. It was a miraculous event that why would this king come in and conquer this country and then let all of the captives go? But that's how God works, and, and in that, he also sent resources and the articles from the temple back with them to fund the rebuilding of the temple. And so the people did that and they began, but then some political oppression from enemies started to happen. And they did what they kind of do. They stopped listening to God and they stopped doing what God had told them to do. And God's long suffering and he's patient, but time had come. And so he sent Haggai to come and speak to the people. So let's read in Haggai chapter one, starting in verse 1 through 11. It says, In the second year of King Darius, the sixth month on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not yet come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. 
You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earn wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on the labor of your hands. So before we dig in, let's pray. Dear Father God, we come before you tonight, and we just invite you in to speak to our hearts, Lord God. Help us to open our hearts to you and our ears so that we can hear what you have to say. Lord God, we honor you in this house, and we know that without you breathing on your word, Lord God, that it'll amount to nothing. But I pray that you would convict us, that you would bring revelation, that you would lead us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's word, it, it has so many layers, right? You can, you can read it in a season, and you can get something out of it. And because it's the living breathed inspired word of God you can read it in a different season and you can get something new and something fresh that doesn't contradict the first revelation but can minister to you in a whole new way right and so when we're reading this in Haggai there is this initial layer I guess I would call it that God was speaking to the people of that day and one was to get your priorities right to, to what are you doing? You're prioritizing your house and your stuff, and you're not prioritizing the, the temple of God. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling together. And so if there's no temple, if there's no place to assemble together, the people weren't coming together to assemble and to worship God. Because there's something that happens when we come together to worship God that is different than when we worship on our own. It breaks my heart when people say, I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. I mean, that's true, but it's not the fullness of what God has for you. You have to come and assemble together because there's just something new and something fresh and something different when we're all together worshiping God as one. Also, we are called to bring our part. And if every person doesn't bring their part, something is missing. And so when there's a body of Christ that's called together, we want to accomplish everything that God has for us in that house. And I know that some people, maybe wherever you're at, you think that maybe your part isn't big enough. But your part is exactly what it's meant to be, and it's needed, and no one else will fill your part. And so God was saying, come and bring your part. Prioritize the house of God and what he's doing, and not just your own personal gain, your own personal thing. God was also talking about tithing. He was talking about the people bringing the first tenth of their increase to God. Back in Numbers, God instituted the tithe, and he was telling the people, you know, how to do it and laid it all out. And, it, and they came to this place, and they were no longer tithing to the house of God. And tithing, I know it's con confused a lot of times in church. A lot of people have a wrong idea about it. But tithing is for us. It's not for God, and it's not for the church. I mean, we've seen so many times, I mean, Pastor Holly's story of how it was supposed to cost $2,200, and just in an instant, it cost 150 
That's what our God can do. He doesn't need our tithe. We need to tithe. And I could stand here and tell you story after story of what God's done in my life. But as I was thinking and praying about this, I wanted to encourage you, if you're in a place with tithing to where you're unsure or you don't know, or maybe you've had a bad taste about it, find someone you know who tithes and ask them their story. Because God says, you know, Jesus in Matthew said, don't test me or to not test God. But in Malachi, God says in this one thing, you can test me. Let's read that. It's Malachi 3.10. And it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is your opportunity. Test God. He says, test me. And I know that there are so many people that have stepped out in that small amount of faith. When I did it, that's when I stepped out in that small amount of faith. Okay, God, I'll do it for a little bit, but you better show up. Otherwise, I'm going to stop doing it. And God said, all right, I will always prove myself in this. And so God was calling the people to bring their tithe into the storehouse so that his house could be built. If we want a maximum return on our money, then in faith we have to step out in our tithe. Because God can do so much more with the 90% than we can do with the 100. Amen? The other thing that God was talking about was serving. The people were called to come and give of their talents and their abilities into the house of God. It said, come and build the house of God. Bring your skill and what God has put in you to build the house of God. And while we don't often as a church body come and build a church anymore, we have professional people that do that because I'd have nothing to offer in that skill. Um, But we still build the house of God. We come and we bring our part and we minister to people. And if we're teachers, we teach. And if we are encouragers, we encourage. And if we are servants, we serve. And that is all needed and important to build the house of God so that when the lost come in, they're ministered to in fullness. And so this is what the initial layer that God was talking about to the people in Haggai. But I believe that there's a deeper layer that God has really been speaking to me lately and that I feel like is for us tonight. When Jesus came and he, you know, died on the cross and the spirit was poured out, the spirit, you know, the God's presence no longer resided in a temple. He now resides in us. And so the temple that God wants to build now is us. And tonight I feel like God wants to talk to us about what are we building? Are we building our kingdom or are we building his kingdom? Are we pursuing work? that is going to bless us and that's our focus? Or are we pursuing work that is going to honor God and fulfill his purpose in our life? And so as I was going through this tonight, I was thinking like if I asked you, do you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life? I'm sure most everyone would say yes. And I only say most everyone because Matt will ask a question like this and there's someone that will raise their hand. And so I was like, I better say most everyone will say yes, that they want to fulfill God's purpose for their life. But three questions in Haggai stood out to me. And these questions, I feel like, will help us evaluate where we are in pursuing God's purpose for our life. Some things to think about throughout now, the season that we're in, but also future seasons 
that will help us to realize if we're pursuing God's purpose or if we're pursuing our own. And the first one is, have you put it off? Have you put it off? In verse 2 of what we just read, it says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So they weren't saying, God, I'm not going to do what you said. They're saying, not yet. But it had been like 16 or 17 years since they had stopped, and God never told them to stop building the temple. And so our long-suffering God was trying to stir them up and trying to get them to do what he said, but they weren't listening. They were saying, not yet. Delayed obedience is still disobedience, isn't it? Because when God says do something, he means now, and we know that. And if we wait, we're really just being disobedient. You're the house of God, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he builds his kingdom through you. And we need him to lead us and to guide us. And we have to be a people that when God speaks, we go. And when God says stop, we stop. And, and it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. We have to trust our Heavenly Father, that if he's telling us to do something, it's for our good. But many of us have a tendency to procrastinate things that are difficult and things that are uncomfortable. Any of you? Is it just me? Yeah. Man, if that thing looks like it's stepping out of my comfort zone, oh, God, I'm going to try to talk you out of it a little bit. I'm going to try to delay. Did I hear God right? Did I really? And there are seasons when you hear God and you pray and, and you're making sure and you're confirming what God says. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about once you know and then you wait. And sometimes you use the excuse, I'm still trying to confirm. There's times when I'm like, God, if this happens, then I'm saying, you'll say, you too, Sandy? Yeah. Like if you do this, because I'm like Gideon, right? Like if the fleece is wet, then I'll do it. But okay, let's do the opposite, God. If the fleece is dry... Um, and God says, no, you know. You know. And we, he knows our hearts, right? He knows when we know, even if we try to pretend like we don't know. James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's a big one, isn't it? So when you know and you don't do it, God doesn't mess around with that. It's sin. Sin is anything that's outside of God's will. And if God has spoken his will to us and we don't do it, that's sinning. And we need to repent of that and we need to move into what God has called us to do. So let's not be a, a people that puts it off. The next question is, is your harvest slim and bare? In verse 6, it says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wage, earns wage to put into a bag with holes. If we aren't building for God's kingdom, then he can't bless it. Because if we aren't building for God's kingdom, then we are building for ours. There's no in-between or other alternative. And God can't bless what isn't building for his kingdom. When Matt and I first met, um, he worked in a financial services business. He had been working for about a year, not quite a year. And it was, you know, a financial services business. It was one that was 
you know, go, go, go. He worked 80 hours a week all the time, um, seven days a week. There was no time for anything else. And so the only way to really have time with the guy was to join the business with him. And so we did it together uh, for about six years. But it was the kind of business to where your motivation was really stuck. Your motivation, a lot of it was cars. There were all these cars that he constantly had pictures on his screen on his computer and put up on the wall, houses and vacations, retirement ages, which we are well past. All of those did not happen. Um, but the, the motivation was to build our kingdom. Now, we loved God, and we went to church, and, and in our mind, we kind of convinced ourselves that we were going to do a lot of things with all the money we were going to earn. But really, we were building our kingdom. And thankfully, God in his mercy, we never, it seemed like all that hour, all the hours and all the effort and all the time just never yielded to what it should have. Kind of like my kids with the lemonade stand. We were going after something thinking for great gain, but it never happened. And we were tithers, so we never went under, but God also loved us enough to never, never let us prosper. And so because of that, we wound up getting frustrated, and we wound up getting discouraged, and we moved on to something else. And then we realized, oh, that was never God's plan for us in the first place. We were going after something way outside of what we were supposed to do, but we were going so hard and so fast that we would have missed what God had for us if he didn't slow us down. And so is your efforts not yielding the return that they should? Is what you're reaping slim and bare? Sometimes we go through seasons where God's trying to teach us something, but it's a good question to ask, God, is what I'm going after what you have for me? Or are you not able to bless it because it's not your will for my life? The next, um, oh, there's a book I read, and I've got to tell you guys this. Especially if you have kids that you're still raising, it's a really great book, just for two points that he made. But one was he was saying that great parents tell their kids that you can be anything you want to be. I'm like, yep, that's right. I am a great parent. I have smart kids. I have good kids, and they can be anything they want to be. And then he said, that's wrong. I was like, what? Like, my kids can be anything they want to be. And he was like, no, they can really only fully be the one thing that God called them to be. And it totally changed everything about what I tell my kids. And I would tell them, pursue God's purpose for your life, but you can be anything you want to be. That's confusing. And so now I tell them, no, like you could do a lot of things, but you will only be excellent at one thing. And that's the thing that God has called you to be, because that's the only thing he's going to bless that's the only thing that he's going to anoint, and that's the only thing that you're going to make kingdom impact for. So seek God and find the one thing that you're called to be. The next question is, are things being blown away? In verse 9, it says that you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Man, this one I think was the one that got me the most. Because as I was reading that, I was like, why would God blow it away? But he spoke to me and he said, because there's times when you will settle for so much less. 
than what I have for you. So much less. And I love you enough to blow that away so that you won't settle for things that aren't my perfect plan and perfect will for you. God wants us to have a life. Jesus came to give us a life abundantly, over and beyond our wildest dreams and expectations and all of that. And God loves us enough to not let us settle for less. When we're focused on ourself, we can't see beyond ourselves. And so when you make decisions, when you're seeking what God has for you, are you focused on yourself? Because see, the, the decisions, the purpose, and the plan that God has for us is far beyond ourselves. And I know there's a lot of people with a lot of things that are going on right now, and they've been asking a lot of questions. And they've been saying, how will this affect my family? How is this going to affect me? And really, the question is, how is this going to affect the kingdom? How is this going to affect God's cause? What is he wanting to do? And it, it made me think of our, our military and our soldiers and our police officers. Man, if they made the decision for their career on what affected them and their family, I can't imagine they'd ever do it. I can't imagine they'd ever do it. But what they're doing is they're looking for the country, and they're looking for generations, and they're looking for freedom far beyond themselves. And that's how we have to make decisions. God, what are you wanting to do? And if my family sacrifices a little, then that's okay. If your kingdom is built and your kingdom is made great and darkness is pushed back and you have your way. By going after our own goals and our own dreams for our life rather than God's, we're kind of saying we can do it better. Ooh, I never want to say that to God. I mean, because I know I can't do it better. But sometimes I act like I can do it better. Sometimes when God tells me to do something, I'm like, nah, nah. But that's me saying I know better for my life. But when we follow God, we're trusting him, and it's a big step of trust, telling God, no, God, I know you know better, and I know that you can build more of a return out of my life if I put it in your hands than if I put it in my own. I've heard the statement, and I'm sure you have too, when our hands are clutching onto something, then we can't open it to receive. A lot of times talking about money and giving and all of that stuff, well, it's the same thing with our whole life. If we're holding on to our life, and we're holding on to our security, and we're holding on to what we can see and what we can control, then God can't fill it with what he has for us. I don't know if you're like me, but I like adventure. Who, who would want to go on adventure? Yeah. What keeps you from wanting to go on an adventure? Fear? Risk? What it will cost you? If I could take all of that away, then who would want to go on an adventure? Everyone, there's some of you that you need an adventure because <laughs> you have been too long. You don't remember what an adventure is. Um, but uh, on uh, we're coming up to our five-year anniversary, and it made me think a lot about the, the few months before we launched this church. And boy, that was an adventure. I was six months, seven months pregnant with Dax, and we had just moved to Waterloo. Out of, a, out of the area that we both grew up in our whole entire lives. And it was not far, but yet it was far. <laughs> it was very different. Um, we had just planted a campus there, just became confident in the fact that we are campus 
planters. That is what we do. We were sure of it. We're going to go in. We're going to help start a campus. We're going to raise up leadership. And off we go to do the same thing. We're going to leave it to someone else to do all the hard stuff, right? That's what we were going to do. Um, my parents, my mom and my stepdad were getting ready to get married. We were leaving to go to Florida. And the day before we left, we were told that leadership was changing at the church we were a part of. Campuses were closing down, and we needed to decide what we were going to do. And then off we went to Florida. And that was the scariest time of my life. I'm like, I am getting ready to have baby number six. We just moved to this crazy town that I know nothing about. Am I going to have to get a job? Am I going to put my kids in school? Like, are we going back and we just moved? Did we not hear God? Like, what is going on? But what we did know is we did know God told us to move. We knew that. And we did know he told us to move so that we can make a greater impact in the area that we were in because we needed to be there to do it. And that's all we knew. That's all we knew. We didn't know what it would look like. And so after a few months of really wrestling with that, we said, God, we're going to go on an adventure. And it was a huge step of faith. It was like, God, if we lose everything, then we lose everything. If we, you know, go back to mom and dad's house at 30 years old, we will go back to mom and dad's house at 30 years old. Although my mom and dad said, oh, no, you can go to Matt's mom and dad's house. Not with those six kids. Um, but we went out on an adventure with God. And that's what it was. We're like, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to go on an adventure with you. We're going to take a leap of faith, and we are saying we think we heard you right. And we're going to step out into that adventure with you. And as soon as we decided to obey the bit that we knew, like we knew a small bit of what God said, and as soon as we decided to obey that, and our hearts were set towards that, and we told our leadership, they said, we'll cover you for six months. Like we had no idea that was going to happen. I mean, we really thought that Matt was going to have to get a different job and I was going to maybe have to get a job and we were going to have to figure it out because I think we had like 40 people that came to our church and 20 were from the church that we came from. So we were sure we were down to 20 people and we didn't know how it was going to work. But God came and he covered it. And, and he has met us so many times along the way. I mean, we can tell you story after story of, of provision financially, of doors that opened, of people that came at the right time to do the right thing in the right moment because we chose to trust God. Obedience is always empowered. Always empowered. If we read verse 12 through 14 in Haggai, it says then, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people, began to obey the message from the Lord their God. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel and, and all of the other people and the people. He sparked their enthusiasm. Once they set their heart to obey God, God stirred up the enthusiasm in them. But they had to take that step of faith first. They had to step out and say, God, I'm going to trust you first. When it looks like that we don't have enough, when it looks like the enemy is going to oppress us, when it looks like it's not going to work, we are going to choose to obey you 
and trust that somehow you're going to cover it all for us. This reminds me kind of of working out a little bit. Has any of you, like, who, who's, like, excited about working out? I talked myself and a few poor friends into this 75 hard thing. You guys know what that is? I've modified it a couple times. Um, <clears throat> I never did the cold showers or any of that stuff. But, you know, when I started, it like at first it sounded like a great idea. And then when day one came, it was like, oh, this is a bad idea. But I stuck my, you know, foot in my mouth and I told them I was going to do it. But once I started doing it and I started working out and I, and I chose a meal plan, God has continued to build a strength and a resolve in me to stick with it. And while there's days where my family are telling me how good bread tastes and how good it was, then I still have the resolve in me to say I am not going to eat that bread for another 50 days. But after 50 days, I want that bread. But God will spark that in you when you choose to take those steps of faith. When you choose to obey him, he will give you what you need to keep going. If we jump over to chapter 2 in Haggai and we read verses 11 through 19, God's coming and he's like they've started building, but he's wanting to teach them something and to speak to them about consequences. And it says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew or wine or olive oil or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? And the priest replied, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches of any of these foods, Will he be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. Then Haggai responded, that is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, said the Lord. And so what God was saying is when you allow sin in your life in one area, it affects everything in your life. And he was trying to tell them, you, you thought that you weren't listening to me just to build this temple over here, but it has affected your job and your work and your family and your houses and your income and everything. And so he's saying we have to live our life where we are listening and obeying God so that we can live under his covering. We can live under his blessing. Because if we don't, there isn't this small part that we can deal with because it affects everything. But if you read verse 18 and 19, when God finishes what he says, he says, think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not produced their crop. But from this day onward, I will bless you. What he's saying is this is, 
how sin has affected your life, how it permeated everything, how it touched every area of your life. But the day you decided to obey me, that day I blessed you. That day I am with you. That's the day when the, the work of your hands begins to produce fruit. We don't have to make it all up. We don't have to get back to where we once were. So God says, if you realize today that you have not been doing what I've called you to do, if you'll set your heart to obey, today I'll bless you and I'll bless the work of your hands. And so I was thinking about that and I, I was asking God, show me the areas in my life that I have not been obeying you, that I've been building my own kingdom. And I thought, I'm doing pretty good, right? I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor. Like, you know, I feel like everything I do is about ministry. But there were still areas that God showed me. There were still things where I, I was more concerned with how I looked or, or how people saw me or how people saw my family that God said, no, 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 no. Because you are focused on the wrong thing and you're not focused on me, you're building your own kingdom. And so I want to invite the team to come back up. And I want to do something tonight. I want to take a moment to just ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to show us tonight. I feel like so often our lives are so busy and we're doing so much. And, and you know, there's so many things that weigh on us, decisions we have to make. That when we come to God, it's like, God, I need this or I need that. Or, or God, give me, I'm coming to you for a direction, but it's on something specific. Maybe that's just me, but to come to God and just be like, what do you want to say to me today? And so tonight I wanted to take an opportunity for all of us to just say, God, what do you want to say to me tonight? Is there any place that I am missing the mark? Is there anything that you've told me that you need to remind me of? And as we're sitting in his presence tonight and allowing him to speak to us, there's a few questions that you can ask yourself. Is there a place in your life where you're building your own kingdom? Does it feel like you're fighting an uphill battle somewhere and you've been fighting it for a while and, and it doesn't seem like you're realizing the gain for the effort that you're putting in? Are you trying to convince yourself that you're happy where you are or what you're doing? Are you settling for less than what God has for you? But really deep inside, you know that God has something so much more. Because if you're not on an adventure with God, there's a good chance that there is more he has for you. Wherever you're at in your life, old or young, you know, single or married or whatever it is, God's plan and his purpose for you is huge. Do you believe that tonight? Because if you question that, then that is what I know God wants to speak to you tonight. Because his plan and his purpose for you he laid out before the foundations of the world. And he placed you in this moment in history. Your birthday was perfectly planned. Your purpose was meant to affect this in so much specific details that it will blow your mind. And so let's close our eyes as we worship tonight and just ask God what he wants to show you.
so good one more time Lord God, for never letting us get off of your path too far before you try to bring us back to you, Father. I pray that we will be a people that would continue to keep our hearts open before you, that we will continue to be soft before you to where you can always quickly move us back when we miss the mark. Father, I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for each and every person 
in this room. I pray that you would continue to speak those plans, that you would continue to speak purpose to them, Lord God, that you would open doors, Father, that you would meet their needs, that you would break down lies in their hearts that would keep them from stepping out in faith and trusting you in areas that are scary to take those steps of faith, Lord God. We love you, Jesus, and we honor you. In your holy name, Lord God, amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you've been encouraged tonight. I hope that God has spoke something to you that's so much beyond what I could ever say. Because when God speaks, it just changes everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic week and that you are